All right, welcome everybody to the latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, and even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have an interview with a special guest who's back again. Well known to the fans all over the world, and especially the MX Vice audience, Adam Sterry. How's life, mate? And thanks for joining us. Fresh from the weekend at Tensfield at the Attic, where you had a good weekend, just missed the podium by one point, but still a great ride, mate. Yeah, no, good, good to be back, mate. And yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy speaking to you on the podcast. And yeah, decent weekend at, at the weekend. Just shame I made a mistake in the last moto, and potentially, yeah, cost me the podium. So a little bit disappointed with that. I expected a little bit more going in, but. Yeah, I had eight weeks off with a broken hand and then it was a rough week last week. So to, to come back and was close racing all weekend, you know, we was fight, fighting in the top three every race. And yeah, sometimes it sometimes it goes like that. Yeah, the starts were pretty good too, mate. And just how was the sort of lead up to it? Obviously, the recovery from the broken hand, not ideal, but you did pretty well, all things considered, mate. I reckon the track looked pretty brutal. By that last motor, I reckon, would have been getting pretty rough, I'd imagine. So, I suppose overall still in the hunt for that top three in the championship. So, that's probably what you're aiming for, mate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously not ideal preparation. Um, yeah, if you get injured in the season, it's not ideal. Luckily, it was in the break of the ADAC where um, there was actually eight weeks between races. So, if there was the time to get an injury, it was then. But obviously, I DNF that race where I broke my hand and um, yeah, had eight weeks off, but f- three weeks off the bike, started riding again. The hand still wasn't that great, so had about four weeks off and then started riding again. But to not race for eight weeks is is quite difficult. You get out of the flow and and uh, yeah, to not ride for for four weeks anyway. It's like an off season. You know, four weeks is the, the same time that I have off at the end of the year. So it was difficult, and then obviously come back to Geldorf. Uh, struggled in the first moto, bit 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 of arm pump, and uh, yeah, second moto was a complete mud race. Oh. First mud race, in a long 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 time, like on on a clay track like that. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had a had a problem with the bike, so ended up DNF in that. Which of course, in two races, two DNFs, I lost a lot of points battling for the title. But like you said. Um, yeah, we are still in the battle for the top three, so we will aim for that and two rounds to go, so we'll give it our all and see, hopefully, if we can get the third spot. Yeah, mate, and how is the hand feeling now? And also, how did you actually do the you know, the injury in the first place? What was the sort of course of events that led to it? Uh, the hand now is 100%. Um, first week, two weeks back was a little bit painful on the jumps with the... It was the bone on not the very outside of your hand, but the the second one in, on your ring finger, I guess, the bone in your hand. Um, yeah, just I, if you ask me how I broke it, I don't know. I just I a crash in the corner on the third on the third corner off the start, and Tim Cock touched somebody on the outside and come across my front wheel and took my bike the opposite way. But I landed actually on my right on my right arm. Oh. Um, but just a normal a normal crash walk, like not much faster than walking speed crash. And uh, yeah, the only thing I can think of, I've watched the video back many times. I land on my right hand, but I think I like punch the ground or catch the ground a little bit with my left because 
the way I broke it, it was typical in a boxing injury. Yeah. Um, if you punch somebody not with your main two knuckles, but your and you catch them with your outside of your hand, <clears throat> them two bones are quite weak, so you end up breaking that. So I think on the video you can't really see, but it looks like I stopped myself with my right hand, but I just punched the ground somehow with my left. But yeah, annoying um, because yeah, such a such a small craft uh, over nothing. And there I had a good weekend going as well. So annoying, but now it's all alright, and um, yeah, we're back on it. Yeah, mate, I was just sort of watching the races today and you looked pretty good, I must say, pretty smooth, pretty connected, you know, making some nice passes. Obviously, the starts were pretty good. The fitness looked like you were holding in there pretty well. Was the track pretty difficult? Did you enjoy it? There was obviously quite a few bumpy section off cambers. Was it tough to get the flow on that sort of a track, mate? Obviously, you're very good in the sand and obviously Arnhem was decent preparation for that too. But yeah, I guess in the third motor, you're probably kicking yourself about that off-track excursion, which they caught on the TV and then Spee's just bumping you off in that sort of right at the end of the race there. So, yeah, to push you off the podium, I guess. But, yeah, overall, the weekend was good and the riding felt good and the track was pretty solid for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, looking at that race, just one of the stronger ones for me and I expect <clears throat> to at least battle for the win there, the same as the sand races on the ADAC. The last round is also sand, so normally they're my strongest races. So, if you asked me before, I actually expected a little bit more, but obviously, like we said before, the preparation was not ideal. Um, yeah, especially in Arnhem, a few too many crashes and, and didn't ride this week and um, couldn't train properly. So, um, yeah, not ideal, but I felt I was in there. I, I, my riding was, I was happy with. Just, yeah, shame about the mistake in the last moto. The, the track was quite gnarly in the end. Very rough. It gets... A lot of square edges there. It's a bit different rough than like Lommel or Arnhem. Um, but yeah, in the end, can't be too disappointed, um, all things considered. Yeah, mate, fair enough. And just on to Arnhem quickly. How did you find that track there? Obviously a new one on the calendar in MXGP. Uh, a lot of talk about it. It was pretty cool. It raced pretty well. There's a bit more you know, scope for passing compared to Sweden, which copped a lot of flack. So did you enjoy the track? The atmosphere looked pretty excellent. Obviously the Dutch guys have got... The fans got plenty to cheer on there with their own riders. So you enjoy that weekend, mate, and pretty exciting times ahead if that one stays on the calendar, I guess, even though it was a little bit narrow as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I enjoyed being back at the GPs. It's a shame because when I got injured, I missed actually my two favourite GPs, yeah. being Czech and Lommel. So that was very disappointing. Obviously, when I did break my hand, Czech was three weeks away. Hence why I rode after three weeks because I wanted to do check really but i did everything i could uh from yeah cryotherapy to to oxygen chamber to hot and cold to everything um to try and get my hand ready but in the end was was not possible with surgery probably would have been possible but of course you don't want surgery as you want surgery as least as possible so yeah that was disappointing to obviously to miss that but going back going back to arnhem um yeah i think any sand track, especially coming back to the GPs, is going to be a fun one for me, and hence why I wanted to do it. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of mixed opinions with the track. I think it was the track's good, but I it was a strange type of sand. I think it caught a lot of people out. I think there was a lot of people crash, like for example, like Ruben's crash and Jeffrey's crash. It's kind okay. of strange. It's not a normal. 
you can be riding along and then it and so I struggled a little bit with that also um three big crashes on Saturday some not my fault some my fault um and yeah and of course that led to me not being able to finish on Sunday so I felt good on Sunday actually I was riding behind Ben we train sometimes together a little bit here, so felt a little bit like training. We had we had a good gap. He was eleven and I was twelve. Actually, felt really good, and then yeah, fortunately, I uh, couldn't continue. So disappointing in that, but obviously safety is is priority, and um, yeah, needed to prepare for this weekend's ADAC. So needed to make sure I was good for that, and yeah, we're all good now and back on the grind this week, ready for the last few races of the year. Yeah, mate. How was the crowd when, obviously, Hurlings and Jonas did that Galdorf round of the ADAC? Did you definitely see a bump in attendance for that one? Obviously, the weather didn't really work out on the Sunday, but it was pretty cool to have those guys there, and it just shows what a great competition the ADAC is. You know, really well run, got great support, got great resources, great riders. Like, you know, the field's really strong. I don't know if everyone realises just how good it is and how well run it is compared to a lot of other domestic championships. And, you know, like Nagels, Tixie, Spees, Cock, these guys are all great riders. And then even Terrasac, who's come back from some AMA and Van Berkel as well. You know, there's some pretty strong riders out there, mate. It's a really good series for anyone that wants to sort of get stuck into some really competitive racing if you're not able to race MXGP every week, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, when you have Jeffrey, the crowd is going to be more like you see at Hawkstone and at Fox Hills at the British. And I think they were just unlucky at Geldof with the weather. I think the weather, it ruined it for a lot of people. So maybe on Sunday there was not so many people, but I can understand with how much rain that we that we was having through the day. So, of course, that Jeffrey and Jonas, they also want to ride there because it's well run and the competition is high. Like you just said with the names, some people maybe don't realise how competitive it is. I think it's for sure the most competitive domestic series Um yeah, that you can race. The names you just mentioned, you have all the people that are also fast local heroes on the, on each of their track. You have Tim Cock as well, who was running top 10 in Toysenthal GP. Yeah, and like Jacoby's said, injured, isn't he? Yeah, Jacoby is injured, but normally he's racing. Of course, world-class rider. Uh, Nagel could still, in my opinion, easy run top 10 in GPs, no problem. Um, yeah, Tixie, past world champion. Um, Van Berkel, Terrazak, like you just mentioned, Tom Cock, um, does GPs most weekends. Um, so yeah, the level's really, really high, especially when, like at the GPs, maybe you have a bit of separation if you get a good start and there's some riders in between. But at the ADAC, like you see at the weekend, yeah, we are all battling at the front, so the intensity just is very high the whole race. Um Especially on them, the German tracks, what they know a lot of. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. It's good racing. It's intense, um, and I think yeah, it's. I think if you to do more GPS, I think it would help in preparation <clears throat> for the ADAC. But yeah, um, I unfortunately missed two more GPS because of that injury. So all in all, it, I think ADAC's really good, and and uh, the way it's run, the way it's televised. The help you get with the the prize money, and yeah, you, you get a hundred euros just to qualify. So that's that's that helps for the travel cost of people that go there who just try to qualify as well. You know, yeah, it's good vibe on the weekend too. There, by the look of it, obviously it's really full with a lot of riders, and that prize money is a massive thing. So do you find the fans really come out and force for it too, just 
even when there's no hurlings or Jonas or whatever, they seem to be pretty strong all the time. Lots of flares. I'm assuming the chainsaws are pumping pretty well too, mate. So seems like a pretty cool atmosphere for you guys to go racing as well. Yeah, I mean, every attack round that I've ever been to last year and this year, there's been been a big crowd and we have to do an autograph session and the queue's always massive. It's a 30-minute autograph session and it's full signing posters from start to finish. So, yeah, you have a lot of people there, um, a lot of Nargle fans. But, uh, yeah, it, for me, it's, it's a re- really, really, really good series. So, yeah, that was that. Yeah, mate, that's pretty cool. And just sort of wanted to get your take on just your season overall. I guess last time we spoke, we were sort of mentioning you're probably in one of the, you know, the best periods of your career in terms of fitness and health and riding and feeling comfortable on the 450. Obviously, you mentioned the transition wasn't easy, but hey, you've done all the testing and the work to get up to a really good level and done KTM testing as well. So you're pretty happy with the season, obviously gutted to miss those rounds and especially lock it with the injury, mate. But overall, you're sort of satisfied and you definitely put your name out there again. And at the GPs you've done, you've shown you have the speed to sort of compete pretty well as well. So that must be a positive too. Yeah, just going back to, uh, I forgot, I was trying to think of what to say then. Going back to Sandsville, did you see the pit bike race? No, I didn't. I was just watching the main races, but was it good? Yeah, but Saturday night there was a mechanics pit bike race. They set a full track out in, like, <laughs> on the using the start straight and was a relay race. And uh, yeah, Salts must be fourth place this weekend because they also finished fourth. They got passed on the last corner, so it must uh, resembled almost my weekend. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, it looks like I'm sure the beers were flowing, mate, and they were having a good time because uh, just looking back at that Tushintal GP, you know, the fans were going absolutely nuts, especially for those German riders when they all sat on the hill there and they all just embarked on them in the track over the fences. So they certainly get into it, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, just one back to your season in general as well, mate, how you've found it yeah. overall. Yeah, I mean, it's an improvement on last year. Um, obviously, I would have liked to completely fight for the ADAC title, which I was doing until them two DNFs. So that's a little bit disappointing because obviously this the goal this year was to be to at least try and fight for the title till the last round. Um, and of course, do some better results at the GPs. But sometimes it's difficult, especially if you only do five GPs. But when you only do, because I missed two, so I I've got Matale left, and I only I've only done three so far. When you do a GP and then have like a month off, and then do another GP and then a month, it's a completely different type of racing. So it's hard to hard to get in the groove. So I would have liked to have, to have done more in the GPs. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's not easy to not be there a hundred percent, you know, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to, to do the results that I wanted, but I can't complain too much about my results. I've been solid in the ADAC and solid in the Dutch masters. So just as long as I'm improving, I'm, I'm happy. So we improved on, on last year so far, I feel better. Like you said, I feel mentally better, I'm stronger, I feel fitter. So we'll keep improving and hopefully finish the last few races uh, really strong. Yeah, mate. And what's sort of the next race? Obviously, you'll be doing an MXGP. We're looking at the home GP at Madley Base and you've got some cool lit kit stuff planned. And just getting back to that time you missed, you know, people, you look at the AMA and Sexton, Anderson, Barsha, they missed, you know, decent chunks of time like you did. And it took them a long time to get back to the level. So to be almost getting straight back to the podium 
in the ADAC on the weekend, it sort of puts it in perspective. It's pretty impressive, mate. And you look at Geyser from his injury, even though long-term, it it just takes time because these guys don't rest for no one, do they? No, especially in motocross, you need everything to be 100%. You know, it's one of the sports where <laughs> literally every aspect of fitness and mental and spike set up, you need, you need everything. So to go out and come back, especially at the highest level, especially that guys in these two for battling for the world title, you know, that's the the peak of the sport so there you really need everything to be on point and and uh yeah it's not easy you know if you miss a chunk of time to come straight back into it it's it's difficult you know even jeffrey the, the one of the greatest of all time you know he uh he even struggles a little bit when he comes straight back so it is it is difficult but yeah the sport keeps improving everyone's fitness keeps improving the bikes keep improving and uh yeah, it's difficult to miss some time and then jump straight back in. And the Hove GP, excited for that one, mate, to put on, I guess, a pretty good show. We've put you in the shop window well and truly with pretty cool stuff like Triumph and Ducati coming into the scene pretty soon, probably not next year, the one after. So that'll be pretty cool because you'd be an ideal rider, mate, with your wealth of experience, racing different series, different bikes, uh, doing some testing with KTM, this kind of stuff, be a real asset having someone like you, I guess, mate. So you sort of definitely yeah. want to keep putting your name out there and getting the best results, even though you're obviously very happy on the platform you're on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I so we got a weekend off now. Next weekend after that is the second to last round of the ADAC in, in Holskillinger. Then we have Martley. Then we have the last round of the ADAC. Um, yeah, and then that's, that's the end of the season. So like you said, Martley, yeah, one of my favourite races, of course, home GP. Um, yeah, you just remind me I need to get on it with the some custom yeah. some custom stuff. We did talk briefly with FXR at the weekend um, because they made some for the vets destinations. So yeah. get on that and yeah, of course enjoy. I've had many good memories racing in Matley and EMX and MX2 Grand Prix. So one that I always look forward to, and especially doing the ADAC. You know, sometimes the British fans don't get to see me ride so much and um, maybe kind of get forgotten about a little bit sometimes because the ADAC is of course not everybody in the UK is is following the ADAC so nice to get back riding at the GP and hopefully can get a good result there and, and yeah, do my last GP of the season strong Yeah but I definitely know you're a very popular figure obviously MX is based in Britain but the couple of podcasts we've done in the past they've been really popular and got great listen numbers and that kind of thing and yeah, people don't forget you, mate, because they don't forget the skills. And obviously, you can say as little or as much as you want, but with the Motocross the Nations coming up, obviously, you got great memories at that event as well. We were mentioning, you know, Brad, Ben and I on our SMX Review podcast last week, you'd be a great shout for the 250 for the Team GB, mate. So just your thoughts on that, if you have anything, and I reckon you'd be a great addition to the team with the current riders. You know, it could be a really good team, even get you on there with, you know, Watson and Gilbert. Muse, whatever, there's some good options there, mate. So just your take on that? Yeah, definitely. Anyone who knows me, I'll ride the Nations anytime. I'll ride it on any bike. For me, it's for the country. So um, my best moment in motocross, actually, best memory is of Aston 2019, First Nations podium. So, um, yeah, would love to be on the team this year. But I guess we'll, we will see. And, uh yeah. Always uh, the biggest race of the year. One that I would happily race whenever I'm on, I'm on any 250, 450, and one through five if needed to be. Uh, nah, but yeah, like you said, biggest race of the year. 
I'd love to ride, would love to get the opportunity, but unfortunately, I didn't make that decision. So we will, we will, uh, we will see. And uh, just quickly, you're a fan of the track at Erne? Uh It's been a few years since I raced there, but I think last time I raced there was maybe one of the first, not one of the first Grand Prix I did, but early on in my MX2 career. Um, obviously, didn't race there last year. Can't remember last time I was there. Um, but yeah, I remember I did well in the EMX there. Um, it's a short, narrow, rutty French track. But you know, it's the Nations. So, yeah. um, of course, you give your all at the Nations. And um, yeah, I would love to ride the 250 there. <clears throat> I think that could work very, very well. Uh, and I think we could do a good result, but we will see. And uh, yeah, anyway, if I'm not, on the team, I will be uh, cheering for the boys anyway. Yeah, mate, well said. And it's interesting, I know, like speaking to you a few times, you know, you, you're one of those guys that does everything to sort of improve. You're always at peak physical condition. You sort of, you're getting those fine margins from everything from the gym, the diet, training on and off the bike. You know how important the recovery times are and how grueling the schedule is. And you're interesting, uh, you, you mentioned last time, you don't really get sick because obviously we mentioned about riders you know, really working themselves into the ground with the brutal schedule and having minimal body fat. So you haven't been sick lately, mate. Obviously, the injury's no good, but you find your schedule, you've found the right formula of success and I guess to perform at your peak all the time. Yeah, definitely. I've always been one to not not get very sick. Um, yeah, I think if you cut weight too much or you put your body under too much stress, especially if you do, okay, what I do is not too bad because I'm not, doing the full world championship but if you do the full world championship and you're like in indonesia on planes all the time and in airports and with a lot of people and it's very easy to get sick uh but i very rarely get ill um don't know whether that's good i had my tonsils out when i was very young so i think my body's just built up over time a good immune system um but of course eating the right food making sure you're physically fit recovering well yeah just being sensible really Especially, yeah, in motocross, as you know, you need to be, try to be at your best for the whole season, which runs February till October. So it's not easy. It's not like, it's not like it's a few months or a few races. It's, it's, it's a long season and to be at your best for that long is, is what, what makes the sport so difficult. And yeah, that's why being a world champion in the world championship is, is pretty, pretty impressive. So to be at your best for the whole 20 rounds. And that's also why you see a lot of them don't do a, a national championship as well, you know, because if you're fighting for the world title, that extra risk of races, especially now with the qualifying race, um, to do extra races and put yourself under extra risk, risk of injury. Um, yeah, that's why they don't do it. They use that time to improve and recover and make sure they are ready for the world championship. So, yeah, it's definitely not easy, but... I feel like you learn every year about yourself, sport changes, improvements, what works better, what doesn't. And uh, yeah, just as long as you keep trying to improve yourself and don't try and stick in one position, I think you, you're in a good spot. Yeah, it's pretty cool listening to you speak, mate. Obviously, a lot of guys get over GPs and just the, the gruel of it. But, you know, you're a big fan of sort of wanting to be there. You're motivated, committed to being there full time. I guess that's probably the plan in the future still, isn't it, mate? Because you definitely want to keep testing yourself at that elite level and getting better and obviously getting a good program to show what you're truly capable of. So that's definitely the sort of goal, isn't it, to be full time MXGP, isn't it? 
yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would love that, but you know, I'm also at the. I don't want to say I'm, I'm old, but I'm getting older. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm getting better still, but I'm getting older, you know. And and for me to take something for no money or on a, on a really bad bike or a bad team doesn't make any sense, you know. I would love to be back in the world championship, but it needs to be on a good program where I can do the results what I know I can do. So. It's a bit of a difficult one because obviously people are aging out of MX2 and um, yeah, people are aging out faster than people are retiring, so there gets less and less spots. And I think that we talked about it last time. That's why. Yeah. Also, I don't know. GPs could do. With, they need to change it a little bit, you know, with that like the AMA. So it says something when people from Europe would rather go all the way to the other side of the world and race an AMA and make more money than if they do their home GP. So. Yep. It's a difficult yeah. one, of course. Um, but yeah, like we said last time, that's why you see like me, Jacoby, Tixier, Nagel, um, Gilbert, Muse, they only do domestic championship, you know, because yeah, the GPs, I, I, if I go winning on them, it, it would have cost me 500 euro. Yeah. And I win the GP as well, you know, so. That may set me up a bit better for next year, but still, it would have cost me 500 euros to win a GP. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, point. Yeah, it's a good point, mate. I was going to ask you, did you have a sort of conversation about doing any of those AMA nationals with the team? Was it in the reckoning at some point? Because you probably could have slotted quite nicely into the top 10 there, mate. Yeah, I would love to do some AMA, and that's obviously a goal in the future, but I find it so difficult to plan for the AMA because obviously they're predominantly focused on Supercross. And obviously their outdoor season is when our outdoor season is. So to plan just for outdoors, you would need to not do anything for most of the year in Europe. And of course, yeah. and no team's going to sign you for the first half of the season and then you're just going to go to the A, mate. That's not going to be possible, you know. It almost needs to be uh, where you can do both. But then, like, obviously, if you do a series like the ADAC or the yeah. GPs, then they are on, on the same weekend, so... Um, it's a difficult one it's a series obviously a lot of people are going over there at the minute and yeah I've always been a fan of the AMA I've always watched it of course there's been a lot of injuries this year so I feel like it could have been some really good results uh, if I went to the AMA but yeah that's not what I signed up signed up to this year I signed up to, to win the ADAC and, and select, do some select GP so but in the future I'd love to do the AMA it's definitely on my list for sure yeah, it's pretty cool. A lot of the guys that go over there, you know, they seem to get a lot of support from, you know, people in America who are sourcing bikes and parts and just helping them get to the races and stuff. Obviously, you hear about like Lars Van Berkel and Terrasac and obviously you're racing these guys and you see the, you know, some British guys, you know, like Adamson and guys that race in Britain like Coolis as well, putting in some really cool results. I'm guessing you follow it all pretty closely and, and keep a pretty close eye on it, mate, because it's interesting to see how they stack up as well. And even looking at the guys like Boutron that have done the whole season and the Curcio guys you know well so it's pretty interesting to see how they're mixing it up and where they fall isn't it yeah definitely I mean I've, I watched the AMA as well um, I haven't watched the last couple of rounds if I'm honest because it's a little bit uh, yeah, same as like the GP you know it's the points are so big at the front it's yeah. not really not really a battle for anything anymore it's just it's just to watch the racing so um, but yeah, watching them all and people that you know, like I said, it's it's good. I go back to what I said, it's it's crazy that they go across the other side of the world to race and make some make more money than if they race the local GP. But 
Um, yeah, I think that series is also very good. The way that it's run, I like the Sunday format. Um, and yeah, like I spoke to Lars van Berk a little bit at the Adax about the AMA, and yeah, it's like the support he got when he goes there, like just from the fans and from the social media people, and yeah, it was it was crazy to say. So it's something he really enjoyed as well, I think, and uh, something I would like to do definitely in the future. Yeah, mate, the tracks look so good there too, don't they? Obviously, a lot of the time, a lot more high speed. You know, the boys did a podcast with Adamson saying how they, you know, there's probably less deeper ruts and a lot of that stuff. They sort of promote the high speed, which I guess in a way promotes better racing in some ways where there's more lines and stuff. You can sort of move around a bit more. Obviously, there's a lot of things in motocross wanting to slow the speed down to, you know, limit the risk of really bad injury and stuff. But your thoughts on the tracks, I guess, this year and and comparing them to AMA and MXGP in general, and have you been happy with it or do you think there needs to be more conversations had in terms of prep and, you know, less support classes on the weekends, this kind of thing, mate? Um, I think it's a difficult one because our tracks are obviously so different and, like, mm. for example, in Arco, you can't, yeah, there's not so much you can yeah. do with the track, you know. You can't make it really wider or the ground the gra- the AMA, the ground's all pretty the ground's all amazing there. As like we racing on like a rock face in Arco and all different types of ground, which is good. I like that the tracks vary so much. But I think maybe on the track prep the track could get groomed a little bit more, maybe and especially with the takeoffs, like if there's so many ruts on the takeoff and and leading up to the takeoff it doesn't give you the option to move about on the track. And obviously, if you need to pass somebody, you need to be able to move around on the track. So I think maybe a different approach to how the track's groomed, not to make the track flat, but you see when the track's... Or you see like old school races, you know, where the track doesn't ha- really have any lines and you can go inside, outside, cut back on somebody, go around the outside, they cut back on you. Yeah. <clears throat> I think... Yeah, I think that could be a conversation to add or like remove some of the elements that they add all the time, like waves inside mounds on the corner. Um, I think sometimes they promote or have a negative effect on on the racing. Um, or or if they had some, I know back in the day they had Rui Goncarvas doing it, but if they had someone who's not long retired or something from racing and has a bit of an opinion on the track from watching it, because like sometimes you'll watch a GP and you'll be like, "Why is that mound on the inside?" Because it's so so obvious that people are going to go around the outside now, and then of course everyone goes around the outside, and no one goes on the inside. So stuff like that, I think, can definitely improve the GPs. Just obviously, of course, in the AMA, you can make there's a lot more room for error. Like you can mm. go off track in the AMA, and there's nothing you can hit really that they have really good there. Like you can go off have a big crash or go off the track and come back on. As in the GPs, of course, some tracks, it's not possible. Like if you go off the track at Ernie, you're, yeah, you're screwed. So I think in some places they can improve also like the the stuff in the GPs. If you go off the track, you know, they have the big ratchet straps down there holding the, holding the thing. I know Ben hit one of them one time really on his neck was really bad. In 2017, I also went off track at Arco uh, on the start to the one of them Fox hole shot things and almost got decapitated. So I think sometimes they could think a little bit more about 
the rider safety. Like in Arnhem, actually, off the start, and you go the left, right, and then you go down to that first jump. On the right-hand side, they just dug a big hole and built up where the scaffolding for the TV was. Like, if you go off the track there to the right, it's it's really dangerous. So I think sometimes a bit more thought in that respect, but as opposed to tracks, I guess, obviously, it's difficult if you go to, to uh, like, Arco and Erne and these types of tracks because you can't really do much with the track, but... Yeah, that's no, cool to hear your opinion on it, mate. A little bit better sometimes. Yeah, it's cool to hear your opinion and insight on it, mate. And you sort of hear things in motocross how obviously riders and teams would probably like to be consulted more just in everything from, you know, track prep to organisation to, you know, promoting young riders in the sport and just to make everything better is in general, isn't it, to improve the level. And that's something that sort of, you know, James and I had a pretty massive podcast with Steve Dixon just talking about how to get youngsters improving the level i guess in the uk and trying to encourage them to go and race the amx even though when they first start they might end up getting 40th or whatever but that's the only way i guess you're going to improve and you know you're a prime example of that mate you just got to test yourself and and get your feet wet because you're not probably going to progress as much anywhere near as much just winning in britain all the time i guess so it should be pretty cool to see a guy like billy ask you in the future obviously test himself at amx we hope and mx2 and all that and just have a really great career because Obviously, Tommy Searle teaches him a lot and stuff. But when you see countries like, I guess, Estonia and Latvia, who probably have, you know, maybe a lot less resources than, you know, Great Britain or the UK or whatever, so, and the Scandinavian nations, you know, what's your take on just advice getting into the European series as quickly as possible, if you can afford it, obviously, because that's the key thing with motocross is the, the affordability is not great. It's pretty expensive, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, financially, it, it, is, it is difficult, especially with not much support. Um, the sport's struggling a little bit in the UK at the moment, but yeah, like looking at the future or or the, or the past when I when I was doing it was always move up early, you know, like from sixty five move up early to eighty five, from eighty five move up, move up early straight to a two fifty, and if you look, um, yeah, look at Conrad, look at Ben, Ethan Watson, me, um, yeah, the GP boys before. You always move up early, and what what does it matter if you're really young and you don't qualify at the AMX? Doesn't doesn't matter so much. Just it's all about learning and getting experience. And like I went and did my first AMX at Lommel when I was fourteen. Um, I was told I wouldn't qualify, but I I qualified. So um, didn't score any points, but qualified. And yeah, right around Lommel on your first AMX and on the two fifty, it was difficult, but. In my opinion, you should always move up early, test yourself, keep improving while you're younger, you know. Um, it does mean something to be British champion, of course. Um, but, like, when you are older and if you do make it to GPs and stuff, then no one really remembers um, when you was youth British champion or, or um, yeah, any of that. So, for me, it, it, it matters when you get on a 250 and when you, it depends which route you want to take, you know, if you want to just take the domestic level and be more like Brad Anderson was, you know, and just keep winning British titles. Or if you want to go and try and have a full shot at the world championship to be a world champion, you know. If you want to do that way, then you need to go do EMX. Um, so it is a difficult one, but in my opinion, I think if you move up earlier, Keep moving up. Obviously, the EMX format now you have is good. When when 
when I was younger, the EMX just started coming to the to the GPs. Like before me, a few years, it was separate series the EMX to to the GP series. So now you have, yeah, if you have the funding, obviously it's difficult. If you have the funding or you have a team that helps you, that's that's good. I think it's not a bad thing to do to do EMX at all because I can only improve um, improve you for the British because the competition is much higher there. You know. Yeah, it just gives you that sort of knowledge of what the level is and where you need to be and how much, I guess, work you have to do to get to that level because I guess it just sort of recalibrates your focus and gives you a new goal to strive towards, mate, because you see some of those EMX250 guys and the top dudes, they just slot straight into the top 10 in MX2. So show that that class is definitely breeding top talent, mate. So And it's also been cool to see some British guys test themselves in MXGP and MX2, like Bobby Bruce, Grimshaw, Dickinson. They've all had a crack, mate, and I'm sure they've gained a lot from them. Have you heard much from them about their experiences? Um, no, not really. I haven't heard from them or really had the chance to talk to them, to be honest. But yeah, yeah of course, it's maybe they found it a little bit difficult, but I think... If you keep at it and you understand it, then I think it can only be an improvement, you know. It's just yeah, obviously if you ride for a team, maybe they don't want to, they are maybe they're not so keen on doing the world championship, you know. A lot of teams now they're either fully focused on the British and or you have the world championship teams. It's not really because it's also really expensive for the teams, you know, it's not they also don't get anything out of it, so um yeah, it's a difficult one, but I haven't really their thoughts on it. But I think, uh, yeah, like I said before, can only help improve them also for racing in the British Championship. Yeah, I know like the Spanish Federation have like an infrastructure there where they have like junior teams and stuff and they do some MX2 as well, where they sort of obviously fund the program for their elite junior riders to go racing. It'd be pretty cool to see if there was, you know, money made available for the top young English talent, I guess, maybe to do something similar in that framework. And then I guess... It comes, I guess, from some sort of a government budget as opposed to purely sponsors and other avenues. So I guess that's something that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I spoke to a few people before. Like for me, that or, or I don't know exactly how it works, but how it works over here in Holland is everybody needs a license to go ride at, at a practice track. <laughs> so you pay 70 euros like for the basic license. And when you're filling out your license, you pick a club. So that might be... Just, for example, Valkenswald MX Club. And the, the club then gets a percentage of the the license money that you pay for the year. So the governing body gets more money. Each club track gets more money. And it's, for me, something that I think sh- should happen in the UK. Okay, people, if you just put it on the internet and say everybody needs a £70 license to start practicing then of course people are going to complain but if you explain the situation that i don't think anybody would have a problem to because that's why the track fees are also less in holland because the club gets money also from the licenses so if you could say now everybody needs an acu license to go train 70 pounds each track or small club gets a percentage of it so they get more money the acu gets more money the track fees could potentially go lower um, potentially, because I, in Belgium and Holland they are run more like a, a club, not a business. Like in the UK, they are they are businesses, you know. So that could be a little bit difficult. But if they are obviously gaining more money, they might be able to take the price a little bit down. 
Um, and then with the money that the ACU gets from everybody in the country needing to pay to go practice, invest that money back in the British Championship or the youth riders or, or for me, that's a logical fix. Or when you see like the KNMV or like France or something, then their governing body or when you see them at the Junior Worlds or at the at the Nations is is a, they have a high presence and it's well organised, you know, so. I think there's lots of things you can do to improve, but for me, that's looking at both sides. I've raced in the UK and how they do it, and now living, of course, in Belgium and Holland for, for like four years, and how they do it over here. Um, I think that's something that they could look to imply in the UK, and and I can't see why that would be a bad thing, and I can't imagine people would complain too much if the track fees went down and knew that that money, not for profit, but knew that that money was going back into the sport to make the British better or help bring the youth riders up better. Or like in ADAC, you know, they have a youth academy like that gets supported, a few selected riders. They get help with the training. and I'm not sure what else they get support with, but they have a full like youth academy. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the money can go towards that or I don't know, just back into the sport, not not for profit, but invest that money that everyone needs for a license, which of course would be a lot of money if everybody that rides in the UK needs to pay. <clears throat> Even if it's not £70, if it's less, I don't know, it could be anything. That would be better than nothing. And uh, yeah, for the reasons I just said, I think that would be a positive improvement. Yeah, well said, mate. It'd be interesting. It's definitely a unique perspective you had, you know, of living in both places. And yeah, someone should definitely sort of reach out and, you know, have some conversations with you because, yeah, you just want to make the sport better. That's the long-term aim of all these sort of chats, isn't it, mate? Because there's certainly, you know, ground to be made and, you know, strides to be gained, you know, just by having these chats to make a, all these little small things. They're not like massive game-changing things where you've got to flip the script. It's just little small things pieced together. They make a big difference, don't they? Of course, it's beneficial for everybody, though. Like, if if the youth riders come up better, then we have better riders. Then it brings more light to the to the UK. If the British Championship is better, it gets more spectators, more sponsors, more lucrative championship where GP riders actually want to come and race the British, um, like it was in the past. Um, yeah, and again, that they get more spectators and more following, more sponsors, more money, and then yeah, just keep building it, and then can help improve the series and improve for it for our youth riders and get more support for for the riders themselves. Yeah, mate, because obviously a lot of people riding dirt bikes in the UK and Australia and everywhere. So, yeah, just anything at all helps, mate. And just wanted to get your thoughts a couple more before we let you go, mate. Just your thoughts on the Lawrence brothers wrapping things up. Obviously, Jet's had it wrapped up for a, a while over there, but just going undefeated. How impressive is that, mate? You know, the speed, the skill, the mindset, just everything for, you know, in that rookie 450 class season at 20. You know, he's a real game changer. So young, it's pretty scary for those other guys having to battle him for the next decade plus just to try and elevate to his level. So pretty impressive, those two guys, isn't it, mate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, they've killed it this year. Honda in America has also killed it, but especially yeah. Lawrence Brothers, they come from Europe, you know, and obviously I spent a bit of time around them. Um, And yeah, what they've done now in America is yeah, is incredible and really impressive. So congrats to them. And uh, yeah, obviously it's paid off all the hard work that they've put in. And just to watch... Jet, of course, it's yeah. I think any rider would dream to make it look that easy to yeah. to ride around, you know, and to obviously go perfect season. 
Of course, they're missing Tomac and Roxon, and it wasn't the strongest of years, but you can't take that away from him. Would he have still won, potentially? Um, but it would be nice to see like Webb fully fit and yeah. Tomac and everybody there battling as well, you know? But yeah, his style and the way he made it look effortlessly, and even if it was to seem easy for him to go 22 and 0, to do every race perfect and not have a mechanical or a mistake on his path, and that's impressive by itself. So, really impressive season for them too. And yeah, of course, what what um what else can you say about it? Yeah, mate. I suppose yeah, having those so many of those guys out at the start, and then Sexton went and just sort of let him get the ball rolling, didn't it? So he could really gain the momentum and just feel like he was kind of unbeatable, mate. And so just I guess it shows what confidence. I guess in the mental side of motocross, it's a big part of it. So it's just so important, isn't it? And I guess you know firsthand how important it is, you know, having the momentum on your side, it can certainly propel you to great things, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when, when everything's clicking and everything's going right, then then you're in such a you're in such a flow, what you have this year, then it's almost he's almost unbeatable, you know. But I think, yeah, also mentally everybody is already defeated before they go to the race. I did it's kind of a little bit like in MX2, you know, when you was racing Jeffrey, you was racing for second place. So it's a little bit, a little bit like that. If you were second, you, you it was like the win, you know. So yeah, but nothing but congrats to them boys. That was yeah, that's impressive, and we'll like to see next year when everybody's fit and healthy, it will be good racing for sure. Yeah, mate. Well said. Just yeah, I guess a couple more things for you. How happy are you still with the team? Obviously, we spoke last time, and you're really happy with the framework where they give you the freedom to you do certain races here and there, like. Obviously, on the MXGP on side of the ADAC, you can go back to Britain. You've, you've got a few options. You're really happy in that framework still. And you mentioned they made some great strides with the bike and that's still happening, I'm assuming? Yeah, definitely. I mean, really happy with the team. It's a really nice group of guys. <clears throat> the program this year has been really good. Um, yeah, bike's been really good. So, yeah, just keep improving. I can have freedom to improve and do the races that I want. So that's good from them and... Um, yeah, still really happy, and and uh, yeah, for next year I'm not sure yet, but we will we'll see in the next few weeks, I guess, and uh, yeah, see what's see what's gonna happen. I was gonna ask, so nothing locked in for next year, mate. You're obviously probably having some conversations, but you're just still sort of just waiting to see how it pans out. These, I guess, final month of the main season, and then go from there. Is it? Yeah, definitely nothing, nothing sorted yet. Um, I'm speaking around, but uh, nothing uh, solid on paper yet or anything like that. So we'll see. Finish the season off strong. Of course, I had good moments this year anyway. So we'll see. It's just finding the right deal or, or speaking at the right moment. And uh, yeah, we, we'll we'll see. You don't seem like you're sort of feeling too stressed about it yet, mate. You're pretty relaxed, calm about it. Just kind of let your performances do the talking like they have. Is that the approach too? Uh, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? I, yeah. I've give my i I try to give my all all year, so I'm over. I've been in this position many times. So the first year that I was doing it, like the end of 2019, was was very stressful. You know, trying to find out what, trying to find somewhere to ride and sort it all out and stuff like that. But I've been in the position many times now, so not too stressed. It is what it is. Um, We'll see. And uh, we'll get an update yeah, soon, I guess. Oh, cool. We look forward to hearing it, mate. And just, yeah, just 
talk us through about, I guess, the recovery schedule for the rest of the week and I guess some of the future plans and obviously the Madley Basin. We'll definitely be wanting you there. We'll make sure the fans come out in force and support you there, mate, and hopefully you get that uh, lit kit and helmet stuff organised too. Yeah, definitely that's on the list today. I'm going to get the messages out <laughs> for the for the Madley kit. Rest of the week, today, recovery day. Actually, barbecue later with the Watsons. So that'll be good. Tomorrow I'm going to ride. Uh, Wednesday I'm going to ride. Get back on, get back to work um, after the weekend. So yeah, ride them two days and then training Thursday. Um, Friday a bit of lighter day and then yeah we will see. I've, I haven't planned the weekend yet, but um, some form of training. No worries, mate. All the best. And yeah, definitely thanks for taking the time to have a chat to us. There's certainly a lot going on since we last spoke and yeah, a lot going on till the rest of the season too, mate. But before you let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASG Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill and Even Strokes for all their incredible support as without them, none of this would be possible. All right. Thanks again, Adam, for your time. Really appreciate it, mate, after the Big weekend of action. So, yeah, look forward to speaking to you soon and all the best with everything. Yeah, no problem, mate. Always a pleasure to join you on the podcast. And nice to uh, talk all things, uh, what's going on at the moment and motocross. So enjoy it as always. And uh, thanks for having me. And I'll uh, speak to you soon. Yeah, no worries, mate. Look forward to getting back on soon.